His power to change a life. How many enjoying this Hope Renewed videos? Amen? You'll, you'll be up there one day. Yours will be up there and you'll be on the screen telling what God did for you. Amen? Great testimony with the offering and the tithes and trusting God. And if you don't know about conference, ask somebody. Start, talk to somebody. Uh, ask them what they're doing. Ask them how they're going. Uh, I got a chance to talk to Pastor Paul last night, our, our lead pastor of our fellowship, and, and tell him how awesome the change was to go to July from October and how we've literally had, I mean, like at least 10 couples tell me that they can go now and they've never been able to go before. One and Tito have never been able to go because that time of the year is blocked. They can't even ask off at that time of the year at their job. And so uh, I'm believing that we're going to have uh, at least 100 people go to conference. How many can believe that with me? Amen. We're just going to storm those doors and represent VWO Denton in a powerful way. Amen. Well, let's get into the word this morning. Uh, and as we do, I forgot to announce, too, that uh, this morning, uh, our, early this morning, our time um, in Arusha, they were celebrating their second year anniversary already in Tanzania of that church plant. Amen. Pastor Paul was there preaching, and they had uh, almost 300 people this morning at the service, amen? So God is doing a tremendous, tremendous work there. I wanted you to open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. As Priscilla was giving her testimony, she kept mentioning the foundation and making Christ center. This is a message that is going to really, I believe, help you as you continue to walk with the Lord. Because uh, one thing that the devil wants to do and that uh, even this pandemic has done, and the devil behind the pandemic, uh, is to separate and isolate people. And isolation is not of God's will. And so we're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and this verse says, two are better than one. Amen? How many believe two are better than one? Unless it's two ulcers, or two pains, amen, or two bills. But two people is what this Bible verse is trying to tell us. Two people are better than one. And, and there's a power in numbers. And so this is a, a verse that I read a lot of times to married couples when I'm marrying them. And uh, it shows us the power of two people coming together. And it says, because they have a good reward for their labor. And watch what it keeps on saying there. If they fall, how many know we're going to fall in life? One will lift up his companion. And if you take notes, if you underline your Bible, if you highlight your Bible, I want you to highlight and underline this part. It says, but woe to him who is alone. Amen? Woe to him who is alone. Alone is when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie together, they will keep warm. But one, how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. That's the devil. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. How many know with us two people agreeing together and God involved, nothing is too great for us? Amen. Father, we pray for your word this morning. We bless those that are here live and in person and those that are watching online this morning on the internet. We pray that you would speak to us, that this would be a message that would grow us and transform us. And that we would see everything you want us to see in our lives. We thank you for this church. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for uh, being alive today in the greatest time to be alive in the history of the world. And we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said? So two are better than one. And this is something that's uh, important to understand. I'm not talking about our one-on-one -on -one alone time with God. We all need that. 
We need alone time with God. We need to spend time with God. And as a matter of fact, that's how God started everything off. If you know the history of the Bible and you go back to Genesis, we, we tend to think Adam and Eve and we talk about the family and how it started. But how many know that Adam was here before Eve? Okay? Adam was first. Adam was formed out of the dust of the ground. And there was a time frame that we don't know exactly how long that is. But there was a time frame where it was just God and Adam. And the Bible says that they fellowshiped. God wanted to fellowship with Adam, and he wanted to have a relationship with Adam. And this is why God created all of us in the first place, is that we would have relationship with him. He created us as God to human beings, and, and he created us to interact with him and to have relationship with him. And then, all of a sudden, at a time when he felt right, he said, it is not good, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, for man to be alone. So he, he says, I need this man to have companionship along with me. And he made Eve. I, and when I talk about my wife, I call her my rib. If you've ever heard anybody say that, it's not just a saying, it's spiritual. Because the Bible says that Eve was created out of Adam's rib. Now, I, I, I've heard this story before that when God went to create Eve, he was talking to Adam and he said, listen, I want to give you a companion. It's not good for you to be alone. And so he says, I want to give you a companion. And, he, and Adam said, well, what will it cost me? And God said, it will cost you an arm and a leg. And so he, uh, Adam said, well, what can I get for a rib? Amen. And that's what happened. Amen. And so he was taken from Adam's rib. And, and the woman was created. Amen. It's good to laugh, right? All right. So she is literally our rib. But God said, I need, I need these two to be together. It's not good for them to be alone. And, and what I want to talk about this morning is the power of fellowship. The power of being together. The power that, of two or more together in a, in a common goal. And so we were created with that fellowship. And then as he goes on in creation, he says, and he created this and it was good. And he created that and it was good. And every day of creation, he said, it was good. But at the very end, after Eve was created, he said it was very good. So when, when, when it was finally complete, it was when Adam and Eve were on the earth together. And how many know that today we're not living the, the intention that God had for us? We're living in a fallen world. We're living in a sinful world. We have a sin nature. And, and uh, I've always joked about this. If you want to see the sin nature in, in person, live and in person, and still be kind of cute, go back to the nursery and see the kids. Amen? How many know kids have a sin nature? Mine. None of those toys back there are theirs, but they're theirs this morning. Amen? Mine. And so you see the sin nature. You see the, we heard someone talking this week about their grandbaby making a face, kind of a defiant face at a very young age. And so we have a sin nature. But that was never God's intent. God's intent was beautiful, and it was for us to be on this earth and to enjoy his blessings. And, and that's where the problem came in was free will. A choice that we get to choose like we did this morning. How many know you did a good thing by deciding to get up and come to church? This is one of my least favorite days of the year because I don't like losing an hour of sleep. And it's crazy because I, I want to thank God and testify this morning to you that I feel really good. Most years I come into this service and I'm, I'm lagged, man. I, that, that hour kills me. But I feel good today. And that's a good thing. How many feel good today? But you might not have felt good when you woke up. 
and Carla and I were talking about how different it is now that even a few years back, you, you really don't have an excuse anymore. Back in the day, you actually had to set your actual clock, right? Who uses clocks nowadays? It's on your cell phone, and it automatically sets, amen? So if you meet somebody that has that excuse that they didn't make it today because of their phones, tell them they're a liar. Everybody has a smartphone, amen? But as you start thinking about getting here, half the battle is getting up and getting here. Has anybody in this place ever come to church and you didn't feel like when you were coming, you're being honest, said, I'm tired, I don't want to go, I, I want to stay in bed or whatever, but you got here, and has anybody ever walked out to the parking lot to get in your car and gone, man, I wish I wouldn't have came? It doesn't happen. Because when you get here, God does something. Like John said at the prayer, he speaks to us. He feeds us his word. Something is, in, is inserted into our heart and our lives that changes us, and so it's worth it. How many have ever worked out in the gym? Amen. You go to the gym, just two or three, all right? How many need to work out? When you go to the gym and you work out, it's not fun work. I, I'm going to be honest. If you're one of those people that likes to work out, you're weird. You're weird. I don't like it, but I do it because I know I need to do it. And so when I work out, though, when I get done, I feel good. I don't I have to talk myself into going. I have to get myself there. But when you get to the bathroom and you're sweating and you're changing and all that, then you feel good. You take a shower and all that. But I started doing this body pump class with my wife that she's been doing for years. And by the way, my wife is a beast. I'm telling you, if you've ever been to this class, right, Jose? Jose goes with me every Tuesday, and we hold each other accountable. And so we do this class, and in this class, you do 700 repetitions of all kinds of every body part. And so my favorite song is the last one. Guess which one it is? Have no clue. It's just the last one. I don't care what song it is. It's the last one, and it's slow, and that's when we stretch. And that's when I smile. I don't smile the whole class. When we get to that last one, I smile because it's the last song. And we're done till the next time. But I always feel good that I went. And so there's a battle against our flesh and our free will to fellowship. Okay, I want you to understand that there's something inside of us that wants to isolate. And it's flesh. It's not God. Or to be alone or to push away from help or push away from fellowship or push away from encouragement. It's just something that's in our flesh fighting our spirit. But every time we come to church... I want you to know this morning that there's a power together right now being here. There is a dynamic spirit in this place because of us all being here with one purpose. And think about when we do it right. Now, we know that some people, and I hope it's none of us in here today, we know that some people go to church and they, and they check the box off. I went. But we try to teach here that let's not, we don't go to church that way. We don't go to church to check off the box. We go to church to fellowship with God. We go to church to lift up his name. We go to church to learn something that we can apply in our life. We go to church like we go to the gym to build up muscle and strength and go back out of these doors and witness to the world so we can change the world for Jesus. Is that the reason you came this morning? Amen. To come in fellowship, to come and get encouraged, to come encourage each other, to get something out of church, not just to check the box. And when we do that, we are doing God's will. And we're going to see that in the scriptures this morning. I want to look at Matthew chapter 18. We're going to read a few verses here, 15 to 20, if you're taking notes. But I'm going to read a few verses here, and I'm going to kind of punch you for a second in the stomach a little bit. Maybe hit a nerve for a second, but it's not going to be the whole message. Amen? It's just going to be a short one. But we have to hit this part 
to get the gist of what this means, okay? And again, before we read this, I want you to understand the power of two or more is talking about fellowshipping, coming together, and, and, and being in, in one mind and one spirit and one accord and how God loves this, okay? And so it says, Matthew 18, 15, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and talk to your best friend about your, his faults, Gossip about him and tell him how much you can't stand him, but don't ever go to that person directly and tell them to their face. That didn't fit in there very well. That's not what it says? Hold on, let me read it again. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Okay? How many know that this is very important? We're going to leave this up here. And we're going to stay here for just a minute. This is, this is another moment here that makes church healthy. Because God intended us to get along. And he intended us to be able to... to does it doesn't mean that we're all best friends. doesn't mean we all have the same interests. It doesn't mean that we all do the same things. But God intended us to, to work together and to get along. And so in, with, when and if something happens with a brother or sister in the church, and maybe they look at us the wrong way. How many know that happens sometimes? You could be looking across the room and, and, and maybe giving a face to your kid or something in the back, and so, three or four faces are between you and that kid, and they think you're looking at them. And I have seen people go months and maybe years without ever talking to that person again because they thought someone looked at them. Oh, it got quiet in here. Am I telling the truth? The Bible says if I have a problem with someone, now, now a lot of times, i found a lot of times when you think you have a problem with someone or they have a problem with you, they really don't. But you'll never know that because you don't talk about it. And what we do is we go and talk to our friends about it. We go talk to our, our, our other people in the church and we go, man, so-and-so did this to me. And so. But the Bible says that we're supposed to go to that person directly, pull them aside, and say, hey, man, did you look at me? Did you mean to look at me like that? And guess what? They might say, yes, I don't like you. How many know they have the right to say that? And that's okay. If they don't like you, at least you know. And at least now... You still have to get along. You still have to coexist. You still have to be in the same church. But you can just say, I don't like you, and you don't like me. That's all right. Hopefully that's not the case. But that's what he's trying to say. Go to that person. Talk to him about that fault. And it says, if he hears you, you've gained your brother. Okay? And that's what you're supposed to do first. But we do it backwards a lot of times, and we don't do it this way. He says, then, if you can't get to an understanding, maybe someone has really done something wrong, or maybe something really has happened. It says, moreover, if your brother sins, sorry, but if you will not hear, he will not hear you, take with you one or two more. There's that power of two or more. And it says, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word would be established. So then you would go, you've already talked to that person, but you can't go with two people to a person and gang up on them and say, we got an, we, we got an issue with you when you haven't even gone to that person individually. Are y'all here? How many know God, he covers every base? So he says, if there's an issue between people, you go to that person. You say, listen, let's talk this out. Let's hash this out. Maybe it's something that can't be solved. If it can't be solved, he says, take two other people with you and, and talk to this person. And then look what it says. And then it says, if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. That's pretty heavy right there, huh? 
But if he refuses even to hear the church. Now, a lot of this, really what it's talking about is if there's some kind of sexual sin, if there's some kind of, you know, real, real moral problem that's going on, you're dealing with something that's really serious and heavy, and it can't get resolved, and that person needs to leave the church. It says, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. So God shows us how to deal with people. This is very few, very far in between, and very rare when this has to happen. Amen? But why he says all this is there's a reason for it. And it might seem kind of weird. Like, why are we talking about this? Because God has a dynamic power that he gives us when we walk together. Things can happen. Miracles can take place. Signs and wonders can happen when a church is walking in the beautiful unity of, of fellowship. Amazing things. It makes me so happy, church, when I hear that you guys are getting together. I hear of events over here, Sunday fun day. I hear of uh, uh, ladies getting together, men getting together, people, couples having each other over their houses. That makes me so happy. That's a healthy church. It's getting together without having to tell. And so if you're here and you go, well, how come no one ever invites me to those things? Why don't you invite yourself to those things? Why don't you invite someone over to your house? Come on. I must have hit harder in the first service because they were like, woo, amen. How many know we, we, we need to get involved? You, everybody wants you around. Just invite. Everybody can come. I know on Sunday, fun day, the park's public. Anybody can show up. Those things are healthy when a church is getting together outside of church. See, it's normal for churches today on Sunday all across the world to get together like we are right now. But it's a special church and a healthy church that gets together after the, after the doors close of the church. They get together on Sunday. They get together on Monday. They get together on Thursday. They go to the park together. They go to the coffee shop together. I really want to encourage you here today, if you're not in a small group, to get in a small group. Get, you know, we don't have small groups just to say, oh, we have small groups. We have them because as the church keeps growing, that keeps our church small. It keeps us to where we're getting together in small groups and we're talking. And what we do is in that starting today, there's one all the way through the week. Every day there's small groups at different places. Some are houses, some are coffee shops, some are here at the church, some are at other people's houses. And when we get together, we go over this message. And you get to sit in a setting and get to know some people that you've never met before. And you get to talk about things you can't talk about in a service. And you get to ask questions. And it's an awesome, powerful thing. Okay? So I want to encourage you, if you're not in a small group, find out when a small group is and get in one. But here's why that's so important. Because the next verse is God gives us an amazing promise. Verse 18 says, Assuredly, I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever it says. And it says, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. How many know that's a powerful promise? God is saying, if you will come together as a body, together in fellowship, we will see miracles. We will see amazing supernatural things. And whatever you ask can be yours. And then it says in 19 again. How many know when God repeats himself, he's putting an emphasis on it? He says, again, I say to you, and here's where the message comes from, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Anything. 
And here's the key. For where two or more or three or more are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now, that doesn't mean that God's not there when you're praying to him alone. That's obvious. This is something that God is saying, that when you do what the devil doesn't want you to do, which is fellowship, something powerful happens. How powerful is it when a family gets together and studies the Bible? How powerful is it when a family gets together and worships together? How powerful is it when a group of believers get together outside of Sunday and Wednesday and talk about the Lord? How powerful is it when a group of people go out and witness in the park or go out to downtown and, and, and share their faith with, of, with, of the gospel with other people? It's powerful. God is telling us there's a promise there. And the reason this is so important is because going back to our flesh, our flesh is very apt to be a loner. Even if you're a person that likes people and likes to be around people, your flesh will still lean towards being alone. And because there's no accountability alone. You don't have to answer to anybody. No one's asking you any questions. Nobody's around. And, and there's, there's you know, some good things about that, but that's not God's will. God wants us to be together. I want to read a story about, uh, in a second about uh, the dangers of isolation. But how many have ever heard the lone wolf mentality? You ever heard that, the lone wolf? I, I read up on that a little bit to get a better understanding. The reason it's called the lone wolf mentality is because wolves run in packs. Meaning wolves as, as predators and as a group are most dangerous in their realm and most powerful when they stay together. But sometimes a wolf will decide, I don't need my pack. And this is what happens in the church a lot of times. A person says, I don't need my pack. See, we're a wolf pack here. And there's power in the numbers that we have. And no one's going to attack us when we're together. The attack comes when you're alone. The attack comes when you're on an island to yourself. The attack comes when you isolate yourself. And so all of a sudden that one wolf says, I don't need the pack, and that wolf goes off on its own. And guess what? That wolf eventually dies because there's power in the pack. And so that is an attitude today, especially the Bible tells us that as we get closer to the return of Christ, more and more people will get off of the pack. More and more people will get the lone ranger, lone wolf mentality. So there's a danger there. If we don't believe that this is the case, listen to this. 2,192 people kill themselves every day in the world. 2,192 people every day take their lives in the world. Every day. And, and to hit home in the United States, 13 people kill themselves every day. Sorry, one person, I read that wrong, in the United States kills themselves every 13 minutes. So since we've been having service for an hour, five or six people have taken their lives during this service. Taken their lives. Why? How do you get to the place where you take your life? Isolation. Isolation. Have you noticed that, I'm saying 99.9%, .9 most of the time when people take their lives, they're alone? People don't usually, I'm not talking about a suicide bomber, people don't usually kill themselves in front of people. They do it alone because they're isolated. So it's dangerous. So, so the power of two or more is here, and the danger of one or less is here. And we have to choose which one we're in. There was a man in, uh, named uh, 
Kevin Briggs, who was a highway patrolman in San Francisco Bay, near the I-beam of the Golden State Bridge. And he would, he would uh, go and, and walk this bridge because there were so many people that would take their lives on, this, on the San Francisco Bridge and jump off of it. And it says, perched on an I-beam outside the Golden State Bridge railing, a man dressed neatly in khakis and a button-down shirt hesitated. Kevin Briggs stood a few feet away, imploring him not to jump. He said, in 20 years, nearly 20 years as a highway California patrolman, policing this famous span of bridge, he had had more success in, than failure in talking people off the bridge. He and two other officers persisted, persisted with this young man for nearly an hour on this day in 2017. And the man, perhaps 35 years old, seemed touched by their earnestness. He reached over even three separate times to shake Officer Briggs' hand. Then suddenly, it was over. He said, Kevin, thank you very much, and he jumped. And the man plummeted to his death in the waters below. That's the picture, church, of what the church does. The church is here to grab people's hands and say, come back in. We, we, I texted you yesterday and said, think of somebody, call somebody, text somebody, do something to tell somebody. We've been missing you at church. Church, that is not just my job. That's everybody's job. If you're a true believer in Christ and you really love the Lord, this is not my church. This is God's church. This is our church. It's our responsibility to reach out to people. It's our responsibility to put a hand out and pull people back in. It's our responsibility to reach out to people. I've always said this. People expect it from me. But it means something special when it comes from somebody in the church. It's expected. But when somebody maybe you don't even know reaches out to you and tells you they've been missing you, we, man, we, 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 it's not the same when you're not there. That means something. Church, we've got to understand how powerful that is when somebody reaches out to us and how many people right now are isolating themselves. When you see somebody, and I can tell you over the years how many times I've seen it, you see them faithful in services. You see them come to every service that they can. There's circumstances that keep people out of church, but they're here every time the doors are open. And then all of a sudden, you begin to see them miss and then miss another service, and then they miss another service, and then it's three or four services, and then it's a month and a half, and then they're gone. They're gone. They're no longer in the church. They're no longer around. They're gone, and we don't know, church, where they're going. It's our job to be like that officer, reaching out our hand, but here's the thing. We can't make them do anything, and neither can God. Do you realize that this morning? It is a personal decision that we have to make. You have to understand how powerful two or more is. Getting around other believers, fellowshipping with other sisters and brothers, getting around other couples and families and learning from them and hearing their testimony and, and just making yourself not isolated. You know what some of the greatest torture in the world is used in isolation? Simply isolation. When somebody in prison is acting up in a horrible way, what's, what do they do? They don't beat them. They put them in isolation. They put them in the hole. They put them in a dark place with nobody around. There's no greater punishment than that in the world. And do you realize that that's what eternity is going to be like without God? Do you understand that it's not going to be, and I'm just quoting the Bible, the flames, the pain, 
the smell that's going to be the worst thing for people? It's going to be the isolation and the separation from God. No longer being in God's presence. But how many are thankful this morning that we can be in God's presence? How many are thankful this morning that there's a dynamic that we have when we get around other people? That there's a hope and an expectation when we come into a church service that God can do a miracle. Because here we are on this Sunday morning and, and, and we, we think maybe it's just any old Sunday morning. But you know what I believe? I believe there's a Nestor and Priscilla happening right now. I believe that testimony that she said up there as she's mentioning what God did in her, I believe right now one of you is that future Priscilla that's going to talk in five years and say, God changed my life. God turned my life around. Let me tell you something. Nestor and Priscilla have brought a lot of people into this church. They're a tremendous blessing to us. They've done amazing work and they're faithful because they've gone and told people about the Lord. And so there's something about realizing that and recognize you might be here this morning because of them inviting you to church. Say this with me. There's power in numbers. I'll never forget that. Leviticus 26. Watch what this is. Let me know the enemy wants to fight us. How many know it's better that we chase the enemy instead of them ch- him chasing us? Amen? Are y'all here? I'm going to tell you something. The 9 o'clock service is starting to beat y'all. Y'all need to pick it up a little bit. This is supposed to be the more awake service. Amen. How many would like to chase your enemies instead of your enemies chasing you? Amen? It's better. You know, if you're going to get in a fight, how many of you have ever, ever heard, I thought about this in the second service, you, you're in school, go back to your school days, some of you guys are in school right now, I remember people telling me, so-and-so wants to meet you at the playground after, after school to fight you. Anybody remember that? So-and-so wants to meet you at the playground after school to fight you. First of all, I'm like, sometimes you don't even know who that person is, so you're wondering how that happened. And the second thing is, if so-and-so wants to meet me in the playground after school, tell him to come tell me. Right? And if you're really a fighter, you don't have to wait for the playground. Am I talking to anybody in here? I wasn't as bad as my friends. I mean, I had friends growing up in high school that they, every stinking weekend, let's go get in a fight. I'm like, no, let's take the weekend off this week. For reals. I'm serious, man. God is my witness. Every single Friday, let's go get in a, we, we, It wasn't the fight coming to us. We were looking for the fight. And we would end up somewhere fighting every single weekend. I'd rather chase my enemies. But if the fight's going to come, you hear someone wants to fight you, and you really know how to fight, and you're not afraid, you chase your enemy down. You, you say, you want to fight? I heard you want to fight. And you don't back up. You go forward. Right? How many know as believers, we should have some boldness? As believers, we should say, devil, you want some? I'm coming after you in the name of Jesus. We can fight right now. But the Bible tells us when we come together that we will chase our enemies. And they, they, and they shall fall by the sword before you. And watch what this next thing says. Five of you shall chase a hundred. See the power in numbers? See the power of God? Five of us can chase a hundred. That means a hundred devils, a hundred demons. Five of us. How many know we got more than five in here? And a hundred can put 10,000 to flight. That means when it says put 10,000 to flight, that means we, we here today could chase 10,000 people, 10,000 demons out of here. Out of Denton, out of our marriages, out of our city. 
How many know it's time for the church to rise up? It's time for the church to recognize the power that we have and get people saved and tell the devil he's got to go pick on another city because it's not going to happen here. Amen. There's power in numbers. The power of two or more. Jesus sent his disciples out uh, in twos. It says in Luke chapter 10, verse 1, After these things the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. So he sent those men and women out in twos because there's accountability there. There's safety in numbers. So if, if the devil fights fellowship so much, how many realize there's a reason why he fights it? When he tells you stay home and, and lay in bed and don't get up because today's the perfect day to make an excuse not to go to church because the clocks went forward. When he tells you that, why do you think he's telling you that? Because there's a word waiting for you here. There's a life-changing word here waiting for you. And I want to say something that I haven't said for a while, but I believe it with all my heart. Every time you come to church, there is a life-changing word waiting for you. Something that can literally save your life. And you might miss it because you stayed home. Amen? And you might miss it because of an excuse. You might miss it because of a situation going on. Don't let that happen. Understand that you're going to love it. You're going to be happy when you walk out of the parking lot. Just get yourself here and watch what God can do. Now listen, because there is a, the reason the devil fights it is because there's a supernatural dimension in this place when two or more are gathered in his name. That means that the today, anything is possible. You say, oh, you don't know my situation. It does, let me tell you, anything is possible. I got diagnosed with cancer. Anything is possible. My marriage is, we're about to file a divorce. Anything is possible. Our, our bank account's in the red. Juan and Deanna, listen to what they said. Anything is possible. God can have money show up. God can have restoration to your marriage show up today. God can heal your sick body right now. God can, as that song says, turn it around right now. God is turning things around right now. Amen. How many believe that? But here's what happens. Acts chapter 4. Watch this. Verse 31. When we come together, it says, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And in the first service, when I said shaken, it thundered outside. It was awesome. I was hoping he would do it again just now, but he's, he, he just probably thought it was cool for That's the 9 o'clock service. Got it. Amen? These walls can shake, physically and spiritually. God can turn things around. He can shake things up. And it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with bonus. But it says they were assembled together. You know one thing that's important to understand, church, as I close? This isn't the church. This is a building. We're the church. But don't get it twisted. Because lots of people that quote that don't think they need to come to church. We're not the church. That's not the church. We're the church. And they're by themselves. We're only the church if you're together with other believers. That, that assembling together means assembling together. Not I'm the church at my house and you're the church at your house. He says come together. So these parks, these small groups, 
These things that we're doing are very healthy because how many know that this time last year, everything shut down. The pandemic was a year ago. Isn't that crazy? And there came a time when we had to do services online and we couldn't come here, remember? It was actually a mandate. We could not come to church together for a while. Thank God, by the grace of God, we as a church here have had very little time away compared to a lot of churches. And part of that's been by decision. But, but remember that time? There's no promise that that's not going to happen again. But that's not going to keep us from being the church. We'll get together at parks. We'll get together in the streets. We'll get together at houses. Hello. Amen. Because we're the church. But the good thing for us that's healthy is we're already in practice. It won't be hard for us to keep being a church. We'll just keep doing what we're doing. And we'll just invite more people. And we'll just split it into more houses. That's how the church grew in the book of Acts. They were in houses. Because they were having person. They, they were, it was the opposite. There was so much persecution, they had to start in houses. And then later on, they, 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 as time went on, they, they got to buildings. But they, they had to go from house to house because of persecution. They couldn't meet together. But there's something powerful about two people getting together and having church. Right now, my parents are watching this. They're just two people in a room, and they're having church in their house. They'd rather be here, but they're having church right now. We're two or more gathered together. Let me finish with this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. I'll read this fast. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And in the New Living Translation, it says this. I like what it says in the New Living Translation. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. How many know we need to motivate each other? It, 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 I'm, not, I'm not condemning you when I tell you I miss you. I'm motivating you. I'm telling you, I missed you today. We want to see you because we, we know what it takes to make it to the end. And the last part says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. No matter what your flesh wants to do, it's God's will for us to come together. And it says, as is the manner of some. Right now, people are making the wrong choice to not come to church, to not be in fellowship. And the Bible says, and so much more as you see the day approaching. As Jesus' return gets closer and closer, we need to be in church more and more. We need to be in fellowship more and more. We need to be less and less isolated. I'm talking to you here that likes to be by yourself. It's okay. If, you, if that's your personality, you like to be by yourself, that's how you are, that's fine. But it's not healthy. You've got to get around people. You have to get around people. Why? Because God said so. It is not good that man should be alone. Amen? And I just got news for you. You're not going to be able to stay that way in heaven. You're not going to be by yourself in heaven. There'll be lots of people all around you. Now, I'm not going to lie. I love people, and I love being around people. But this whole COVID thing and the whole six-foot thing, loving it. Like it. Love it. Love it. I like that people have to give me some space. You know? How many, how many are with me? The restaurants and all kinds of stuff. So God can take a negative and turn it into a positive. Have you ever been to an amusement park pre-COVID or any kind of place like that? People are like, like sardines, you know, and now it's got to stay six feet away. But in heaven, we're going to be all together. And that brother or sister that you don't 
necessarily like to hang out with, God's going to put his house right next to yours. Watch him. Like, look who your neighbor is. And then you got to be like, Mr. Rogers, won't you be my neighbor? Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for those that are here that came and did the right thing by getting out of their beds and into their cars, even when it was dark this morning, and getting to church because we knew you had a word for us. And this is a word for us. Father, those that are watching online, we thank, thank you for the technology for them to be able to watch in all different parts of the world this morning. They might be watching in Tanzania. They might be watching in Ireland. They might be watching in El Salvador, Costa Rica. Lord God, we thank you that we're all together. But Lord, there's a dynamic this morning about when a church comes together and gathers into the building and says, I'm not going to let my flesh win today. I'm going to get to the church and I'm going to fellowship, and I'm going to obey God's word, and even more so as the return of Christ gets near. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this place, maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. You've been invited by somebody, and you've been coming here, you're watching online, and, 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 and maybe suicide or thoughts or depression or isolation is battling you, and you're you're afraid today or you're angry today or you you're, feel hopeless today, Jesus loves you. Jesus has a plan for you, a purpose for you. He, he has a great future for you, an expected end, full of hope. All you got to do is put your life in his hands like so many people here have done. How many in this place with honest hearts, his heads are bowed and eyes are closed, could say, Pastor, I've never made that prayer. I've never said, Jesus, I believe you're Lord and Master and Savior. And today is the day you want to do that. You want to, want to make Jesus Lord. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down all over this place? That's me. Pray for me. I need to, to be saved. I need to be forgiven today. I want to get my heart right with God all over this place. Maybe you're watching online. We can't see you online, but we're going to pray with you in a moment and give you the opportunity Maybe you're here today and you know the Lord, but you're running. You're making bad decisions. You've isolated yourself. Maybe you've got a problem with another brother that needs to be dealt with. You need to forgive each other. The Bible says we're supposed to forgive 70 times 7. Whatever it is you're dealing with, God wants to meet you today at this altar. He wants to speak to your heart. He wants you to be in good standing with Him. He wants to look at you and say, it is very good. All across this place, would you stand to your feet? We're going to open up the altars. And right before we do, I want to say a prayer with everyone here. We never know who's watching online or who's listening on the podcast. Let's, let's, let's say a prayer of salvation for those that are watching. I said this at the uh, first service, and I want to make sure I say it again right now. Everything that we do, we were talking about this in small group last week. You know, lots of of money is invested into a church to, to function. Tanzania here, just to have the lights on, just to be in this place costs lots of money. Everything we spend is for you to know Jesus. And I was telling this couple, new couple last week, if we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars just for you to know Jesus, it's worth it. Because how many know there's more of you outside these doors right now that don't know the Lord? People just like you 
Six months ago, you weren't saved. A year ago, you weren't saved. Five years ago, Syl and, and Nestor weren't saved. Now they're here saved. Everything we do is for you. Everything Jesus did on the cross is for you. Know that this morning. So we're going to say a prayer, and I want you to say this after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for speaking your word to me today. I want to admit to you that I am a sinner. And I know I need a Savior. I have fallen short of your glory. Jesus, I believe with all my heart that you died on the cross for my sins. That you took my place. And you tasted death for me. I also believe you rose from the dead to conquer and defeat death. So I could have eternity in heaven with you. I believe that. I confess that with my mouth. Jesus is Lord. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. And I, I make a promise to you from this day forward that I'm going to live for you. I'm going to obey your word. And I'm going to fellowship with other believers. Thank you for the power of agreement. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a big praise for...